The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. to Autism Live. We are trying out a new platform this morning. And so I want to make all of you aware that it's going to look a little bit different. It certainly feels different to us. So we want to know what you guys think. Uh, already there, we've run into a couple of snags, but uh, we're hoping that this connection is a little bit stronger. And we're hoping that the picture is a little bit clearer and that it'll be a little bit easier for us to post information for you on the show. That's what we're looking for. But if your experience of it is not that, then, you know, it doesn't really matter what we're looking for, right? Uh, so we're going to try this out for the next couple of days. And we're hoping to get some feedback from you guys by the end of the week to decide whether we continue. Because we've been using two platforms mushed together and now we're just trying to do it on one to see um, how we interface with you guys. So write in and let us know. We are going to be with you live for the next hour, and I'm really excited about that. We're still looking for your comments and your questions and your concerns. This platform also will make it easier so that there won't be as much lag. So if you guys, let's test it out right now. If you're watching the show, if you, especially if you're on Facebook or YouTube, but also on Twitter and Periscope, if you want to send us a message right now, you could just say hello uh, so that we can see if, in fact, the platform is working, right? It'll be a little bit more instantaneous, we think. That's the goal, right? So uh, I'm Shannon Penrod, and uh, we are, as I said, we're live, and we're live from a room in my house. And look at that. See, we have a lower third now. That's what we didn't have before. Uh, <laughs> So for you, for those of you who are listening in podcast, you're like, what is she talking about? I have no idea what's going on. But that brings me to my next point. If you're watching us live right now, you're probably watching us on YouTube, on Periscope, on Twitter or Facebook, or you might be watching us on our live feature on autism-live.com. If you're watching or listening to us in podcasts, you might be listening to us or watching us on iTunes because you have your choice. Hey, Alicia from Oklahoma, it's working. How about that? That's very exciting. Um, so, and I love it. it. You can't see, but it just kind of like, went like this into my screen. It just bounced in. Very cool. Take a look at all the things that Traven is showing you there. There's Those are all the different places that you can be watching and listening to us right now. So as I said, you can be watching or watching and listening on iTunes. You get your choice. It is a free download there. We uh, we're, we're there on Apple, Apple Podcasts now as Autism Live on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Ghana, 
Uh, Amazon Music, which I'm not sure if it's in completely launched yet, but when it does, we're there. Our page is ready. We're on Audible now and on Deezer. Isn't that exciting? Good job, Traven, for making all of that happen. So uh, we hope that you will participate with us. If you're watching live, we encourage you to write in your thoughts and your questions and your concerns. If you're not watching live and you want to be writing in questions, if you you can write them in on um, the platform that you're watching. But if you're not watching live, I have to be honest, the best place for you to write those in is on our live feature, which is autism-live.com. There's a chat button. And when you write in there, it stores all of them. And I can go in and look at all the comments all at once. And we, and I do check those on a regular basis. And that is working today. So <laughs> fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Uh, but we, I will tell you quite honestly, our favorite thing here is when you guys write into us. We love to interact. Even when you guys write in something that isn't necessarily flattering. I know, you know, sometimes we will get people, the more people we have watch, the more uh, comments that we get that are not necessarily flattering, like the folks who wrote in and told me to shut my mouth uh, and let Temple talk when we had Temple on last Tuesday. I get it. I totally get it. And I don't take it personally, except that I, you know, try to work. And as a interviewer, sometimes I talk too much. I'm working on it work in progress. Here I am. So anyway, uh, we love your comments. All of them is what I'm trying to say. So please feel free. Even if you feel like, oh, you're a dissenting opinion, that's okay. We recognize here that the autism community, and when we do the show, we're doing it for the largest autism community. That starts with folks that are on the spectrum. Those are the beating core of, this is, this is the heart of our autism community. But here on our show, we include everyone who loves those individuals and who is helping to fight for them to have the rights, the freedoms, and the expectation of the rights and the freedoms, for heaven's sake. We shouldn't have to fight for it, but you know the reality is that we do. So we don't expect for all of us to agree on much of anything, right? It's okay for us to have different opinions, but as a group of people, there are some things that we agree on. And that is just exactly what I was saying, the rights of the individuals who are on the autism spectrum and the right to be treated fairly, to employment, to housing, to love who you love, to wear what you want to wear. You know what I'm saying? So uh, we know that we'll agree on those things. So I'm always, especially in an election year, we band together, folks. And si se puede, we can do it. We hold hands, right? Virtually with masks, socially distanced, but we hold hands. <laughs> less, right? So please participate in whatever way that helps you. Our mission here is always to provide information and inspiration, but I think we do a better job of it when you guys tell us what you want. I, I always say that we have lots of experts on the show, but I'm not one of them and I'm not even a mind reader. So please write in and tell us what it is that you want. Speaking of which, uh, we've got a great expert who's going to be with us today, and I'm not an expert. I'm somebody who's been hosting shows from a journalistic point, point of view about autism for over a decade now. So, you know, I've interviewed as many people about autism as I think anybody else on the planet has, which means that I've heard things. I think I have an informed opinion, but not an expert, right? I'm always willing to give my opinion. If you want my opinion, please feel free to write <laughs> 
I don't think anybody really wants my opinion. Um, but I, sometimes I give it way too freely. But uh, nonetheless, write in with whatever you want. We love to ask the experts the questions that you guys write in. And I'm always calling somebody up and going, all right, a parent asked me this. What do you want to say to that? And I enjoy being able to do that. So uh, it's Monday. And on Monday, we like to start off with something we fondly refer to as the jargon. not sticking. This is very exciting. So jargon of the day is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym, and we try to figure out what in the hey, nani, nani are the experts talking about? What does this have to do with us? Do we really need to know this term? Couldn't we just say what it really is? Uh, We try to give you first the actual definition, then whenever possible, we make fun of it. And uh, because as definitions go, the actual definitions for these things are sometimes only hilarious and not helpful. And then we give you a working definition, which hopefully is designed to give you an entree into understanding it. We don't expect that you'll understand it all the first time. It's why we cycle through these terms and go back over them. We want for you to begin to get a glimmer of it so that then when it shows up in your life and you go, that's it, that's exactly what they were talking about when they said this. So our jargon term today I have no idea what it is. I know I sent it to you, Traven, but I have no idea what it is. Uh, we're, we're bringing it up. Hold on. I don't know. Uh, do I need to bring it up? <clears throat> I don't even remember what it was. Oh, there it is. ADA. And I don't know for sure. I think that we've covered this before on our show, but um, it's been a while. It's probably, we probably did ADA when we had Tony Quello on because Tony Quello was one of the original authors of ADA. So let's take a look at this, uh, what our actual definition of ADA is. You ready? ADA, it's the Americans with Disabilities Act. It's a civil rights law passed in 1990 that does not allow discrimination against people with disabilities in employment, public service, and public accommodations. So that's a pretty cool thing. We've only had it since 1990, which seems a little crazy to me. But um, as I said, we've had Tony Quello on before, and he was one of the original authors. Let's take a look at what our working definition for ADA is. So ADA is the law of the land currently. And I think that that's a really important thing to state, that right now, I mean, the laws are laws only until they're not laws, right? You know, we have cultural things, ways of behaving and ways of thinking, but the law is the law. And if you have any friends that are lawyers, man, I don't get that excited about law. I get excited about ideas. Um, But the law is the law. And when push comes to shove, I have seen many times where having the law in place has made the difference. Now, we talk about, and we're going to, our jargon later on this week, we'll talk about IDEA um, and, and what, and a lot of times when we're talking about education and we're going to have Bonnie Yates on later on, we'll, we'll talk about IDEA and, and what that means legally for our kids in the classroom. But sometimes we forget that ADA is there for us on all fronts to protect us and to protect our kiddos that are on the autism spectrum and our adults that are on the autism spectrum. That the truth of the matter is, is that there are protections put in place so that people cannot be discriminated against. I don't know about you, but I was so heart sick after talking to Temple Grandin last week and somebody wrote in the question and said, in terms of work, 
Should I disclose or not disclose? And her advice in this current environment was don't disclose because she knows someone that recently um, ended up, I don't know that it was a direct correlation, but disclosed at work and work became harder. And eventually they found themselves leaving work as a result of all the things that happened. So I don't, I don't want to say that they lost their job because they disclosed, but it was a confluence of events that started with that is what it sounded like to me. This makes me heart sick, right? Because the law is in place to protect all of us uh, from those kinds of circumstances. Yeah, sometimes it gets a little fuzzy and we all know the deal, right? And I so appreciated Temple being honest, but I hate that that's the reality. I hate that that, uh, and that you would then have to mount a legal case. But I will tell you that it does give me some peace knowing you could you could mount the legal case. And I have seen recently um, people in the fighting things in the classroom where they couldn't push it through on IDEA for various and sundry reasons. And so they switched their argument to ADA and won. So we don't want to forget that. Um, somebody wrote in and said, that intro sure messes with my sensory issues. However, this series is amazing. Thank you. Uh, love how the new platform looks. Somebody else says, hello, Renee and Elvira say, hello, Shannon, I have a question for you. Uh, and then it's dot, dot, dot. Uh, and I could see it's running all of them together. So my kindergarten son IEP is coming up and I'm currently writing my son's present levels and having a difficult time. Any event, any advice? Did you ever write one? What kind of things did you write? And somebody else, any suggestions regarding masks and headphones? I need my headphones, but can't wear the mask because of sensory and other issues. I got to tell you, um, I have a friend who works in the entertainment industry as a nail artist. She does all the manicures for stars when they're on set. And she was showing us what she's wearing on set now. And she wears a mask. She does wear a mask, but she also has this heavy duty, um, it is. It was not designed to be for COVID, but this is what they are using on sets. It is a hard shell clear visor. And I struggle a little bit with the mask myself. I've, I've built up a tolerance to it. Um, but I, man, I have no problem putting on that visor. Before we're done, I will have somebody bring me in the visor so that you guys can see. It's not inexpensive. Um, but I will tell you that it's worth it because I've been buying, like, there are different types of visors. There are ones that go over your glasses because I wear glasses, um, and don't fog up. And then there are ones that come down that flip up and there's ones that flip down and all these different things. Um, so I, I will share a little bit about the, that later on. Don't let me forget. Um, but in any case, ADA, <laughs> look at that back on track here. I'm like a squirrel. I'm like, what are they saying here? This is amazing because it's so instantaneous. Um, so law of the land. And you do have a right to um, point to ADA for any time there is a circumstance in which the level, the playing field is not just, not equal. Equal is not what we're looking for, right? We want it to be just. And so I always go back to that car cartoon that... Um, it shows the the three boys standing um, and trying to watch something happening on a track field, but there's a curtain in front of them. And the one boy is tall enough. He can see over it. 
The second boy, the, the curtain comes right here. So he can only see a, a little bit of what's happening. And the third boy is shorter. So he can't see anything. And that is what equality is, is put, you know, everybody's standing there and, and they're all the same. But what's just is when we put an apple box underneath the boy that's in the middle so that he can see over so that he has the same view as the boy. Um, and, and then the third boy um, has, is in a taller box so that he can see everything too. And that's really what ADA is supposed to do is to make it just, not equal, just. Okay, moving on. We always have a question of the day for you and we love it when you guys write in. Uh, and I want to know from you guys today, when do you feel discriminated against? I, I can tell you that over the years, because we've been doing this show now for 10 years, can you believe that? And over the years, there have been times that people have written in, like this morning, and saying, you know, your, your little graphic thing makes me a little, you know, sensory, right? And I've been told many times, I'll say something and somebody, will, I, Alex Plank tells me this all the time, he'll go, that right there, Shannon, that's ableist thinking. And it cuts me to the core because I was raised by a woman who never would use the word disabled or handicapped. That was just not in her vocabulary, but she qualified for both des designations, but she hated the terms, right? Uh, but she was born with both feet backwards and spent most of her life on crutches or in a wheelchair. And if not, certainly limping, hobbling to get where she was going to go. And so I think I tend to think of things. And every time I look at a, a set of stairs, I tend to think about how does everyone get in here? Um, I remember going and touring the Tetons and sitting on a rock and crying because I was like, this is beautiful. We got to a, we hiked up and got to a waterfall and I sat down and sobbed and someone said, oh, isn't it great? Nature can do this for you. And I said, no, my mother can never see this. There is no way for her to get here. Uh, and that's so tragic for me. Right. But so I like to think that I never engage in ableist thinking, but that's completely wrong. That's completely wrong. Of course, because of perspective taking, there are times when I go, oh, I wasn't thinking about that. That's ableist thinking. So, uh, you know, when do you feel discriminated against? I would love to tell you that as a white woman, I've never been discriminated against, but that wouldn't be true, right? Um, there've been many times when I have been told I was just telling somebody the other day about my fifth grade uh, science teacher who informed me that women weren't good at science and uh, that we should just be pretty and wear lipstick. That's how old I am, that I had a fifth grade teacher who told me that, right? And it's not the only time in my life that I've been told because I'm a woman that I can't do something. Uh, I realized that in the realm of being discriminated against, that's, you know, a very small thing. But I, um, I'm asking all of you, when do you feel discriminated against? Uh, let's talk about it. All right, moving on. We always have a topic of the week. And our topic this week is our salute to educators. I know sometimes I'm really hard on the education system and because I think I should be. And as a former teacher, I want to make sure that we get the fair and even balance. I think there are some wonderful educators out there and they're doing such a good job during this distance learning and hybrid learning, depending on where you are. It's not everybody. Let's be honest about that. Uh, all teachers are not brilliant and wonderful, but for this week, I really want to take some time and focus on those who are and highlight them and showcase them. And, 
you know, ask you to nominate teachers that are doing a great job during this distance learning because I would like to uh, show what they're doing so that other educators will see it and go, oh, I never thought about that. Let's share the good ideas. So looking forward to that. Okay, we've got a great show for you today. We've got Bonnie Yates joining us in just a minute. Um, and she's going to be talking with us about um, special education, special education law. She is, in fact, a special education attorney here in Southern California. I want to take just a second here to look at some of the things that you guys have written in. Um, somebody wrote in and said, I don't, to answering the question, I don't know that we have been. Maybe when people stare at us while our twins are having a moment. I get it. They don't uh, know. Uh, they don't know uh, from Adam. They likely think that we don't discipline. My husband will get frazzled and I simply ignore them. And that's wonderful that if you can ignore, it's really hard. My favorite phrase is other people's opinions of my parenting is none of my business. That's hard though. Other people's opinions of my parenting is none of my business. So when I see people, you know, and doing that, uh, and I don't get it as much anymore, although I do get a little still, um, but now it's mostly because people think I'm way too helicopter for my 17 year old son. And you know what? They might be right. But when he was little, um, it was hard. And I had to have a really good friend of mine who is also a parent of an individual on the spectrum. He's like, girl, you put your shoulders back and you walk tall and proud. Those people have no idea what you're going through. You just put their thoughts out of your mind and you walk with your shoulders back and you be proud. Um, you know, uh, that helped me a lot. And I try to remind, my shoulders creep up around my neck because of tension and all, but I try, try to remember, put my shoulders back and walk tall, right? Uh, somebody else, my, uh, I have a question. My daughter got a bill from the school uh, that two of her sons attend. attend. It's a, a blast 17 school just for special needs kids. She just got the bill for damages done from last year. Can they charge the parents being that they accepted the children in the school, knowing the child's actions during a meltdown? Oh, we're going to ask Bonnie Yates that question in just a minute. Stick with us when we have Bonnie and, uh, oh, there, look, there's Bonnie. Bonnie, did you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. So here we have Bonnie Yates and she's a, good morning. She's a special education attorney and thank you for being our guinea pig to try out this new platform. Uh, I love that you could hear before you came in that that's so awesome. Uh, and, yeah. And, uh, and I love that you're here. We should say that you are with uh, the Tol Tolson, no, Tolner, excuse me. Toner Law Offices, and that you practice in Southern California, but the law firm practices in many different places throughout California and Nevada, Arizona. Yeah, kind of like a Western States thing. Um, yeah, Toner Law Offices, you can Google us on the web if you want a free consultation and you live in California, Arizona, or Nevada. We can accommodate that. If you don't, there's a lot of interesting information on the website. If you need an attorney, and I often recommend that people take their specific problems to attorneys um, in their state, I refer you to COPA, C-O-P-A-A dot net. Um, and I, I, I'm not sure that there is any legitimate authority for trying to shoehorn money out of parents because they're a disabled child, destroyed school property. That's kind of a first. So let's just say... No, and if you have some authority to the contrary, it should be interesting to see what that is. Um, 
I actually just sort of spontaneously, I'm going to share something and then we'll get to the, to the stuff I wanted to share with you. I noticed in my email today that it's national uh, suicide awareness month. And um, I was like, oh man, I used to like every fall when I would see that, I'd want to like get out there and tell people like, don't give up no matter how bad you think it gets, you know, you can, you can get better. And, and, in asking your questions about disability, it's interesting um, to me, uh, it can be sort of a fluid thing because I was somebody for you know 20 plus years that my main experience of disability was dealing with it in other people. But for a period of time after 2012, I actually ended up disabled and in a, in a wheelchair and sort of had to give up my whole former life because when you can't walk more than two blocks, it's really limiting. So I guess what I wanted to say to people out there is that, you know, if you or someone you love has a disability, not all disabilities are permanent disabilities. Um, and, you know, I was able to get better and kind of resume a very full life, which I think makes me full of gratitude every day. But also, you know, a lot of children with disabilities do get better if they get the right help and they will go out into society and they will be, you know, participatory people. And I think that they are touched by the experience of disability. And Shannon, I didn't know that about your mom, but now I get it why you're so simpatico. So, you know, I, I think that, that, that it, the, the pain I experienced in having a disabled child was the greatest pain I ever had in my life. But at the same time, it taught me so much and I am so grateful for every good thing that happens and, you know, I don't want to sound too like, you know, namby pamby, but there is there is learning that can come from the suffering. So anyway, um, if you are feeling really, really, really low, just keep trying and reach out to people and don't give up and don't kill yourself because you'd miss a whole lot of good stuff that could come afterwards. So absolutely. Thank you, know, you for that. It's really, uh, it's really hard. The burden that parents carry even before becoming their, you know, children's 24-7 support system. So, um, well, not just the parents. I mean, we have a lot of uh, viewers that are um, that are not necessarily parents, but that have an interest in the, um, the autism community, whether mm -hmm. it's that their teachers or practitioners or individuals who are themselves on the autism spectrum. And we know that they, uh, that community are, are folks who are diagnosed on the autism spectrum. And I guess those, some of those that qualify, but haven't yet been diagnosed, we know that the incidence of suicide is higher in that population. And, and, and I wish that that weren't the case. And I would love to see us turn those numbers around through support and love and reminding people that um, there is a way to reach out and that there is help that's out there. So thanks for bringing that up, Bonnie. Uh, thank you, Shannon. So, you know, today, a couple things are happening in California, and then we're going to talk about something completely different. Uh, California passed another bill, and the bill basically says that any student with an IEP needs to have an emergency plan written into their IEP, either at the initial IEP or the next meeting to revise the IEP. The emergency plan is triggered if school is going to be closed by, you know, for more than 10 days for any reason. So it could be due to fire, it could be due to pandemic, it could be due to, um, I don't even want to say civil unrest. Um, so just, you know, anything that shuts schools. 
There has to be something written into your child's IEP that explains how they're supposed to receive their special education during school closure. So for those of you that are having IEP meetings, you might want to remind the district that it's time to put this um, plan into place. Um, also in California, and maybe something similar is going to come to pass in other states or already has, uh, teachers are now supposed to be uh, collecting attendance and participation logs. So an attorney for our firm did a probe and asked for attendance and participation logs, and they weren't taking any data. Uh, so that was interesting, and we're still kind of thinking about what to do with all of that. We've been we've been plunged into a world since March where the rules are new, the strategies are new, the kinds of mistakes that we are afraid we aren't anticipating are new. And you know, it's, it's like running, running, running all the time. And I, I was like, oh, God, I've just been so reactive on the show. All we do is talk about like, what happened last week. So I'm going to bring us back to some more basic um, special education concepts that we can use now, maybe, and also we can use after the pandemic is over and we return to regular um, public education. I love that. I've got two comments that I want to uh, bring up. Um, that, cause I don't want to let this go. My, cause I, the question of the day was, how do you feel that you've been discriminated against? And Michael wrote in and said, I had a uh, major meltdown on the bus and the driver yelled at me. And I want to talk about that for just a second, but I also want to acknowledge that a parent said parent disability rights of Texas is free if you qualify. And they have helped me tremendously in my ARD. And for those of you who don't know, ARD is what they call the IEP in Texas. I don't know what ARD stands for, but I know. And designation or something like that. There we go. But it's the same thing as the IEP. It's just they call it the ARD. Um, but just for a second for the for for people, because, you know, the, the bus is a particularly hard space. Um, and I see time and time again that we have issues with school with kids riding on a bus way too long because they're being shipped to a school rather than their home school. And then there's that creates fodder for, for interesting and upsetting things to happen on the bus because nine times out of 10, the bus driver is not someone who has been trained necessarily to deal with any kind of behavior. And usually an aid is not covered for on the bus. So we have although a circumstance. Be, although it can be. Right. And I just wanted you to talk for two seconds about like what you can do in any of those circumstances, because I think there are, we have rights in all of those different places. Right. You have the well, right I mean, to ask for your child not to be put on the bus to drive an hour to go to school. Yeah, I mean, transportation, the transportation aspect of the IEP is a component of FAPE. So if the transportation is unreasonable, you can convene an IEP meeting to discuss what other ways to get to school that might be faster than a bus. If you have a bus driver that's that's being abusive to a student, that's not really a IEP or special ed issue. I mean, I suppose it's a discrimination issue under ADA or 504, but there also could just be basic um, civil liability for that behavior. Um, and, you know, uh, some schools have private transportation companies with whom they contract, and some schools have public buses that they put kids on. But I think what you got to do is write a letter to the superintendent and say, this is what's happening to my kid, and I know you wouldn't want this to happen, and I want to let you know about it, and what can we do to rectify the situation immediately? 
And you should also call an IEP team meeting to discuss the transportation issue. Because otherwise, I think the way the transportation thing works is it's a it's a quote unquote hassle. So, you know, unless pushed, everybody's gonna want to leave and and a bus is less expensive than a than a taxi. So the tendency is gonna be, if not pushed, to leave that situation in place. Um okay. so you do have to push back against that. And thank you for the clarification. This person wrote that this was actually on a city bus, not a school uh -huh. bus. So that's an entirely different kettle of fish, but covered under ADA, which was our drug today. And, and, okay. and, and, the, and the city bus company could be liable for the uh, discriminatory treatment at the hands of the bus driver. Absolutely. I, I want to say, and I didn't start with this because we had a different issue, but of course, we're all reeling from the loss of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And I'm sure as a lawyer um, and as a woman that that's um, something notable for you. I know a lot of women who, uh, you know, I know a lot of men who clutched their chests and said, oh, uh, what an amazing, amazing woman, what an amazing attorney, what an amazing judge she was. So my condolences to all of us, but to you, Bonnie, for the, the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Well, apparently Ruth Bader Ginsburg also had in her husband's family a very practical set of people that were good problem solvers, and they just didn't get that intimidated by big tasks. Which is amazing, which yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Uh, okay, okay, so what, uh, what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about stay put and its implications. And stay put is something that's a part of the IDEA. It, it, it applies in the 50 states. Um, individual states can do it a bit differently. And usually the way that works is the federal law is kind of like the foundation. And if states, wants to states want to give more rights than that, they can. So your state, if you're not in California, might have a different set of rules as pertains to certain aspects of stay put, but the, the general concepts are the same from state to state. So I find that oftentimes parents haven't been told about stay put. It's there in your procedural safeguards that they hand you at the beginning of the IEP, but they nobody's necessarily explaining to the parent that this is an important concept to understand. The thinking behind stay put was that there had to be predictability and protection of the student in the event that there was a dispute and that the best way to achieve that would be to preserve the status quo until this dispute could be resolved. And so the practical effect is the district can't just change your placement if they want to without having to contemplate the possibility that there would be a process. So if you go to your IEP and the district says, we don't think mainstreaming is working out, or let's let's take another one. We don't really think you need this aid anymore. We don't think this behaviorist is really doing anything. They just sit at the back of the classroom. We want to take them out of your IEP. You have the ability to enjoin the school district from doing that, meaning you can get sort of an automatic injunction under the IDEA and the way you do that is you file a complaint for due process. And as soon as you file that complaint, it has the effect of, um, of preventing a change in placement. So there are a lot of different instances in which that could come up. Um, and you know, with private, with private schools, 
one of the things the districts do is if they pay for a year of a private school after a, a dispute, they will write right into the settlement agreement that the FAPE is the IEP of blah, blah, blah data, not the settlement agreement. <clears throat> because they don't want you to come back and say, okay, we have a dis disagreement. You don't want to pay for private school anymore. I'm stay putting the private school. But if you could get them to write that the private school is stay put, and, you know, of course, sometimes we've all, you know, in certain cases had that happen, that's obviously better. So the first thing that, that, um, that I want you to understand is that you have this right that's called stay put and it's triggered by filing for due process. And that once you file for due process, uh, the, the district has to maintain the current educational placement until the appeal process has been exhausted. So typically some states it's only up to and through a district court decision, other states it's, it would, you'd have the right to actually appeal um, to the federal appellate level and get your your um, decision reviewed. But certainly the reason districts don't like stay put is because they understand that a person can tie up the placement for two or three years um, in litigation. But it is it is child protective, and um, the the district you know are one thing they're pretty good about is they don't tend to violate stay put orders. They tend to to follow them. So um, you get into- Can I jump in there and, and make a, a comment, uh, Bonnie, mm -hmm. that I think a lot of times as parents, we feel powerless. And sometimes, I mean, I, you know, parents will write in all the time and go, you know, we were doing X, Y, and Z, and then the school decided to do Q. Mm -hmm. um, and what are my rights? And I think that this, this goes right to the core of two things, that you can't be bullied um, that they can make a decision to change something, but you have the right to put a stay put in. But this is also why I always say to parents, some parents get so stressed about going to the IEP meeting that they go, does it really make a difference? What's in the IEP? Like, why don't I just say yes to whatever they say? And then we'll slog it out and sort it out later on. And we'll see if what they, because the school will tell you, well, let's just try what we're asking. Why don't you just sign the paper? We'll just try what we're asking. And then we'll see where we get but if it's already in the document that your child is supposed to get something because of the stay put, they can't bully you out of it. And that that's for me, one of the reasons why it's so important to get it in the document to begin with, because you're, you know, what you're, I just heard you say is that sometimes the legal schmeagle when you fight it out takes months and years. But in the meantime, if your child is getting the services and you did the stay put, then it doesn't matter whether it takes years for it to work out because well, no, you, wanted, you might want it to take years. I mean, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to tell you that in the good old days with LA Unified, they didn't even require us to file, and we would have kids that had like a full 30-hour ABA program, and we would just invoke stay put, and like three years later, the district would finally get around to dealing with it. But I mean, and by then they didn't need 30 hours anymore, maybe yeah, because they've done so well. Maybe yeah. not. I mean, the thing is, you got to remember, if it's offered in an IEP, you have to consent to it or else it's not stay put. If it's never implemented, but it's in an IEP, it's not stay put. It has to actually be the last agreed upon and implemented uh, placement. That's an important distinction. I want to say hello because we've got um, people writing in on Periscope, which we don't often have. Uh, but with this new platform. And so somebody named Sensory Autistic has written in on Periscope and wants to know if we remember them, but because you're under a code name, I don't know who you are. 
So uh, write in and tell us who you are, and then I'll see if uh, probably I do remember you, but I don't remember that code name. Go ahead, Bonnie. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about stay put and how long it can it can continue. Um, and then the question is, what is meant by current educational placement? As used in the stay put provision, the word current generally means the placement and services that are in effect when the parents file their due process complaint. In most instances, these services will be found in the student's most recently implemented IEP. So, um, so it's, it's as we discussed, it's got to be written into the IEP. Now, there are some exceptions to stay put, and there are logical exceptions. One is if school if a, if a school closes, like if you're in a non-public school and the school closes, you cannot invoke stay put because your placement doesn't exist anymore. Uh, in, in California, we have a very liberal construction of what placement means. So it means location, facilities, and personnel. So when you try to change somebody's stay put in California, you're pretty well protected against um, losing your, you know, your placement. Um, one of the interesting things too, and I think the law's unsettled, is if you invoke stay put in first grade, does that mean you continue into in the same classroom in the first grade, receiving the first grade curriculum, or do you move up in your stay put to the second grade curriculum when, when school uh, resumes? So in, in every case, there's going to be a varying degree of question as to what the stay put is. And sometimes you get into language issues where you're actually having to litigate what the stay put is, whether it's in an IEP or a settlement agreement. Um, I read. Yeah, I was just going to jump in and say an example when when my son was in was it fifth? It was fifth grade. Yeah. Um, he we had had it written into his IEP that he because there was a very set number of classrooms to go in in fifth grade, and there was one class that was a fifth grade sixth grade blend. And we had it written into the IEP that he would go into a fifth or, and sixth grade blend because though we wanted him with that group of kids, with that teacher. And, we, and I was amazed that we got it written in because I know that's a hard thing. But we got it written in during the summer. The principal changed. Principal came, took one look at that and said, I don't want that. And dismantled the fifth, sixth grade class so that there was no more fifth. And, and I couldn't do a stay put because it no longer existed. Well, right. um, if the class no longer exists, you're not going to be able to have a stay put. If you're yeah. coming, if you're coming from another district and you have an IEP for the first 30 days, the district's supposed to implement your IEP. Then you have a meeting and the district offers FAPE based on its own evaluations and or review of records. And they may offer you something different. And if you disagree with that and you don't like it, then you, you can invoke stay put in that circumstance. And I think we're going to have the potential for using stay put when we get into these like distance learning plan analyses situations. That's part of the reason I'm talking about it now. Okay. Um, interestingly, apparently, um, even though 504 doesn't have its own explicit stay put provision, the Office of Civil Rights has said that Section 504 has an implicit stay put component. I don't know what it is, but apparently it has an implicit stay put component. OCR has taken the position that a fair due process system, which we do have for 504, 
would encompass a district waiting for the results of due process before making the change. Um, then there's also kiddos in, that are transitioning from under three services to over three services. And the law has been that you don't get stay put of those services, but we did have the federal government saying that currently if somebody's in part C and the district won't evaluate and offer them an IEP, um, that those the, that those Part C services might continue. So that's a little COVID development that maybe wasn't anticipated. Um, you also have rights, I'm not going to get into it, but rights as to stay put if your child is a subject of disciplinary proceedings, which often involve a district trying to change a kid's placement. Um, and there's even the possibility of stay put for a private school, and this is how that works. Let's say you place your child at Shannon Penrod's amazing private school academy for geniuses. And, um, you get into a hearing about the appropriateness of that placement and you've been paying for it all along. If the hearing officer orders reimbursement of that placement, that becomes a stay put placement. So that is kind of a cool thing that you can actually get a stay put of a private school in certain circumstances. And finally, just sort of bringing this around to the end of all of this, Stay put comes in at graduation because graduation is a change of placement. And if you have a student that needs to remain in school for longer than the district does, you must prevent graduation because once your student graduates public school with a high school diploma, that's it. And there's no stay put of the placement unless you file before graduation. So um, just a couple little nuances about that. California used to have a high school exit exam and you had to pass it to graduate. They got rid of that. So now basically everybody graduates, in my opinion. Everybody has graduated. The standard for graduation, if you're on a regular diploma, is you're supposed to meet the state course of study as sort of interpreted by your district. And um, you know, if you meet those graduation requirements, you're out. That's it. Um, and what we're seeing a lot of is kids that are reading on a second or third grade level and are no way ready to assume you know, individual responsibility for their own uh, transition goals and their own life post-graduation, and they're being spat out and graduated. If you have a student that you think is in that category, you should be actively making a plan now to... Uh... Oops, she's frozen on my screen. Uh, well, hopefully we'll get Bonnie back. We were doing so well on the new platform, uh, but uh, we've lost her. I also want to say, too, so that you guys know, on my crawl for the comments, it's great because I'm getting them in real time. But when a bunch of you write in at the same time, it fills the screen and push, pushes them to the bottom. And I haven't figured out how to get uh, back up. I've tried. I've clicked just about everything, Traven, and I can't see other than the ones that are right there. Like I've tried to eliminate ones. Uh, I can't, nothing, well, let me do that. Uh, but hopefully we'll be able to get Bonnie back. Hopefully she'll unfreeze and we'll be able to get her back to hear more about stay put. While we're waiting to see if that happens, uh, does anybody have any questions about the stay put or why? And now I'm breaking up a little bit. What's going on? There she is. I don't know, my computer, it didn't like that. It didn't like what I, the, this table I had it on. Um, oh. But that we don't lose the don't lose the thread here. Yeah, there's a different way. If you if you um, are on diploma track to graduate, you will be out by the end of 12th grade. If you are on diploma track to graduate, but you can establish that you really have not 
met all your IEP goals and you haven't really met all of the state standards because how could you pass X, Y, or Z class if you're only reading on a second grade level, it would be possible rather than to put you on a certificate of completion to extend the date for graduation. So you might graduate as a 13th grader or a 14th right. grader with a high school diploma. Otherwise, you're going to be working toward a certificate of completion based on a modified curriculum, and you will be entitled to receive idea services until your 22nd birthday. Um, Let me ask you something for, for people right now on this bubble with COVID. If you've got a 12th grader and you don't feel like your child is ready to graduate um, and ready to go on to something else, normally it's sort of like a thing where, like you said, you got to do the state put, but especially because of COVID, you could ask for that extra year, correct? And yeah. th would that just be a state put or would that be something? Well, I don't know if it would be stay put or if it would be a, it would be a challenge to graduation based on not having achieved enough to be ready yeah. to begin, you know, working on your transition goals. I mean, I, mean, I think this is common. And I think the first step is you got to take it back to the IEP team and share with them your evidence about why the student isn't ready to graduate and see what kind of pushback you get. And um, you go from there. I have a student like this right now, and he good, uh, but he only just got there a year ago. And he You're breaking up for some reason, Bonnie. Uh, how about now? now? Now I got you. Yeah. So you were saying about the student. The point is, if your student is reading on a second or third grade level, he or she is not really ready to graduate with a high school diploma, and that has to be addressed. Yeah. Once you grad, if he graduates, he's out. That's it. No remedy. Yeah. Yeah. There's no going back. And then you've got to look for other programs um, to fill the students' day or other schools to send them to. Where if they don't graduate, they're still eligible for um, services from the school district. Correct. So it's an important consideration for folks. Uh, so there we go. I don't understand the comment that somebody sent in, but, uh, and we're getting a little clicking noise. So just noting. Uh, so Bonnie, this is all very important. Uh, this stay put information and very, very useful to us. Um, we're, we're running out of time here, but uh, I wanted you to take a second to talk about Toner Law Offices and how people can get a hold of you. Uh, hey, Toner Law Offices, <laughs> we're an eight attorney firm. Seems like between the eight of us, there's always one of us that knows the answer to somebody else's question, which is really nice. We're based in San Jose, Irvine, and Los Angeles. If you're in the state of California, Arizona, or Nevada, we'd be happy to um, meet with you for, for free. If you're not, please talk to an attorney in your state and check out COPA, C-O-P-A-A.net as a possible place to find attorneys that could help you in your state. I also want to say that Bonnie is here with us almost every Monday and she really loves it when you guys send her in specific questions. I yep. think, you know, Bonnie loves to educate us, but more than anything, she loves to be helpful. And so if you have specific questions and the more information you can give her, the better, uh, please write in to us. You can write to me at s.penrod at autism-live.com. Um, we love to have, we love to get the questions ahead of time. 
so that Bonnie can have a chance to look them over. She will come back with a better answer if you give her more time um, to look at it. So I, I know that a lot of people have been, there's my email on the screen for you, s.penrod at autism-live.com. Thanks, Traven. I know that a lot of people have been going to their IEP meetings, their ARD meetings, and their 504 meetings. And it's, you know, I'm waiting to hear from people if they're happy with what was discussed at the meetings. Um, I know that we've got people who still feel like their school district is waiting until they can come back in person. And that is not the thing. If your child is in a classroom right now, they distance or otherwise, they have the right to that free appropriate public education. So they can't really say that they can't do services until they're back in person, can they? No, and I was going to ask you, Shannon, we're obviously thinking on the same uh, line of things. Um, I want to hear what's happening with your distance learning plans. I want to know um, if you feel like you need help in getting the district's attention. If the district is ignoring you, let's talk about some things you could propose to them uh, to prepare to improve your situation. Um, and those could include things like outside agency services, uh, parent training, um, a different way of delivering services, a modified school day. Um, you know, this is not supposed to be a one size fits all distance learning plan. And, and you know, parents may need to do something different. So we can, I'd love to have questions about that would be helpful. Yeah, one of the things that I'm hearing, and I don't know if it's just LAUSD, but I, but I know of two cases in LAUSD where uh, in the IEP, it is written that the child has a, an aid that is provided by an outside ABA provider, and, um, and that's great, but the stipulation is only when school is live and in, in person to person. And that otherwise, if school is not live in session with everyone there, the LAUSD is saying that they that that's just off the table. They can't provide it. So sorry. Well, are they uh, saying they can't provide it at all or they're saying they can't provide it face to face? I believe they're saying they can't provide it at all because what was in the IEP was face to face. And since no, no. there is no... No, the law is very clear. They have to try to do their best to implement the IEP as closely as possible to, to non-virtual conditions. So consider things like having the ABA provider in the house or have the ABA provider on another Zoom screen participating in the, in the, you know, the daily classroom instruction. I think if you, if you just refuse to provide that, you're going to owe these parents a whole lot of compensatory education when, when we get around mm -hmm. That calculation. And if you guys have questions about how CompEd works and how it might pertain to the services you didn't get, let's talk about that. Okay. So, whatever you guys want next week, I'll prepare something else. Um, if we get questions, we'll do the questions. Okay. Um, thanks, everybody. Thank you, Bonnie. Have a good week. You too, Shannon. Bye bye. Bye. Uh, we just have a couple of minutes here, and I just wanted to take a second to talk about a couple of different things with you guys for this week. So uh, tomorrow, we, uh, we're, we've turned Tuesday into Temple Grand and Tuesday. So we are either live with Temple or we're showing you uh, recorded interviews that we've done before that we think are worthwhile to highlight. So we had her live last week. Tomorrow, we have, we're going to replay the episode. So if you missed it last week, 
you'll get to see why people were telling me to shut shut my pie hole. Uh, <laughs> but she's lovely. She's absolutely divine and, and she's wonderful. So we're, we're replaying that tomorrow. Now on Wednesday, we've got Evelyn Kung joining us. Uh, she's an autism expert. We love to get live questions for her about things that are going on with you or with your kiddo. She, again, autism expert in the field of ABA. Please feel free to write in about any behavior that you're having or someone you love is having that you want to know more information about how to teach or how to, how to like change a behavior that's preventing somebody from being able to do what they want to do. That's really uh, what she's awesome at. Uh, then on Thursday, I'm very excited about this. There is a new program that has started in the SUNY uh, system. I'm going to use all the wrong words here, but the State University of New York system. I am a I am a child of that and an adult of that and a professional of that system. My dad worked for the State University of New York uh, and as a technical director in television, creating programs, educational programs. And then I did my undergraduate at a SUNY school, a State University of New York school. And then eventually I went back and was a professor at a SUNY school. So I'm very much a product of the SUNY system. They have a new program that is opening in my hometown, which is crazy because that's not where I went to school. Um, and they're literally opening an autism center in, in the backyard of the neighborhood that I grew up in. And it is a special autism center because it is meant specifically to train individuals to work with individuals on the spectrum and they'll be doing it on site both classroom and and working with them but from a point of view of compassion and inclusivity so i am so excited that on thursday dr nor uh, syed is going to be with us to talk about this new center inclusivity center and their new program and the the way that they are looking at training professionals to do aba from a compassionate, caring, empathetic uh, point of view that recognizes neurodiversity. I think everybody's going to be very excited about this. I'm so excited to have her with us on Thursday. Then on Friday, we've got two amazing guests for Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. Vince Redman will be here with us. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist, but we also have an amazing young woman who is doing a research project. And I mentioned this to you guys uh, on Friday that she's doing a research product project and needs parents in Southern California to fill out a survey uh, about their IEP process. So it, it's only for Southern California par parents, but we're wanting to have a lot of parents fill out this survey. And when you fill it out, you're eligible to win a gift card. I think it's a drawing, so not everybody gets a gift card, but you're in a drawing to get a gift card. And it's a very useful way for to impact IEPs going forward. And, and it is something that while they're only looking at Southern California, it's something that has the ability to impact all of us in all of the states. So I really love that. She's going to be here with us to tell you how, if you're if you qualify in Southern California, that you can fill out the survey. Very excited about having her share that with us. I want to thank all of you for being here with us and for trying out this new format. Remember to write in and tell us. I'm especially interested for the person who said, I want to know, is it the opening of the show that makes you seasick or is it the jargon of the day 
uh, motion that makes you seasick because we're working on changing both of those. And I would like for it to not be a sensory nightmare for the folks watching the show. So will you write more to me about what was sensory um, activating, not pleasantly about those so that we can make sure that as we move forward with what we're trying to do, that we can perhaps improve upon that. That would make me really happy. I really appreciate you being here. All right. We will be back tomorrow until with Temple Grandin. Uh, until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>